you know, I would love to encourage anybody out there that's interested in growing their genealogy skills or their genealogical toolbox to join Las Vías del Norte. You know, don't be discouraged that the name says Las Vías del Norte and it's in Spanish. Our group is solely in English. All the presentations are in English. We, from the past eight years, we probably only had one or two presenters in Spanish, but uh, that's very rare. And even though if you don't have any ancestors from South Texas or Northeastern Mexico, that's no problem. When you join us, you're going to get access to all those presentations. And as I mentioned, those presentations focus on research areas of all over the U.S. and some even focus on European research. So just look at the methodology and apply it to your own research, no matter where, what area or what ethnicity you may be researching. You just heard our guest, Mr. Moises Garza, the creator of Las Vias del Norte, talk about his website, among many that he maintains to assist Americans who have Mexican ancestors in southern Texas and northeastern Mexico to trace their ancestors. Listen to this episode to learn about how Las Vias del Norte and the other great resources Moises has created can help you. This is Sean Thomas Radcliffe. Welcome to another episode of Preservation Oaks. In this series, we introduce you to professionals from museums, cultural, genealogical, and historical societies across the United States. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the program. Greetings, everyone. Thank you for joining us today. We've got an exciting program lined up for you, and I'm thrilled to announce that this episode marks the beginning of Season 3. This also happens to be the 53rd episode of Preservation Oaks, and I can genuinely say that I've enjoyed meeting every guest we've had the pleasure of having on the podcast as we've journeyed through this wonderful country of ours. Our journey started in Iowa two seasons ago, took us to Hawaii, then Alabama, Kansas, Vermont, and Nevada, and now we find ourselves in the beautiful state of Oregon. Where's our next destination? Michigan. But don't let that location-specific pattern deter you. If you represent a society or museum and would like to be a guest on the Preservation Oaks podcast, regardless of your geographical location, Simply drop us an email at preservationoaks at gmail.com. Today is a perfect example of this approach because for this episode, we have the honor of hosting Mr. Moises Garza, 
the visionary behind Las Vias del Norte. Moises wears many hats. He's a genealogist, an educator, a speaker, a podcaster, and an author. In fact, he's authored over 70 books and journals dedicated to Mexican genealogy. If you have Mexican ancestors hailing from southern Texas or northeastern Mexico, then by the end of this episode, you'll undoubtedly see the incredible value in becoming a part of this fantastic community. Join us on this journey as we explore Moises' mission and the wealth of resources available at lasviasdelnorte.com, all aimed at assisting Mexican-Americans with their family research. I'm Sean Thomas Radcliffe, and I'm coming to you from Salt Lake City. And this is Preservation Oaks, the original talk program on MicroStream Radio where we feature information about museums, cultural and heritage institutions, associations, historical and genealogical societies, and history-focused media creators across the United States. By the way, our main platform is preservationoaks.podbean.com, but you can find us on nearly all podcast platforms, as well as Rumble, Getter, Minds, TikTok, Facebook, Odyssey, and YouTube. So wherever you listen to the program, I appreciate it very much when you like, comment, follow, or subscribe. If you're listening and you'd like to be a guest on the program, or if you have questions or comments about the program, just spin off an email to preservationoaks at gmail.com. On our next episode of Preservation Oaks, we meet with Ms. Natasha Adams, the director of the Heritage Museum, located in Independence, Oregon. The Heritage Museum collects and shares the natural history and diverse cultural heritage of the river community of Independence, Oregon. They really are deserving of your support, and it will be fun and interesting meeting with Ms. Adams. All right, that being said, let's get this show snapping. Our historical events and birthdays for this episode. On September 2nd, 1789, the third presidential cabinet department, the U.S. Treasury, was established by Congress. On September 4th, 1886, the last major U.S. Indian War came to an end as Geronimo was captured. He died of natural causes in 1909 at Fort Sill, Oklahoma. Happy birthday on September 6, 1757 to the Marquis de Lafayette. He lived from 1757 to 1834. He came to America in 1777 to volunteer in the American Revolution, beginning a really long friendship with George Washington. He later persuaded King Louis XVI of France to send a 6,000-man force to assist the Americans. Lafayette was given command of an army in Virginia and was instrumental in forcing Cornwallis to surrender at Yorktown, leading to the American victory. Happy birthday to William Howard Taft on September 15, 1857. He lived from 1857 to 1930. He was the 27th U.S. president and was born in Cincinnati, Ohio. He served as president from 1909 to 1913, then became a law professor at Yale University until his appointment as Chief Justice of the United States Supreme Court in 1921. You know, banking system failures, panics, and depression in the United States had profound impacts on families since the beginnings of our country. And yet, these things are not very well understood by family historians. 
as the underlying cause of some of the family actions such as migrations and conditions they are seeing. I'm going to do an episode at some point on this topic and others that occurred in the 19th century, so stay tuned. Here's an example. On September 20th, 1873, the New York Stock Exchange was forced to close for the first time in its history as a result of a banking crisis during the financial panic of 1873. Happy birthday to American Revolutionary leader Samuel Adams, who was born on September 27, 1722. He lived from 1722 to 1803 and was born in Boston, Massachusetts. He was a passionate, vocal man who helped ignite the revolution and served as a delegate to the First and Second Continental Congresses. He was a signer of the Declaration of Independence and the Articles of Confederation. Thank you to thehistoryplace.com for this episode's historical events and birthdays. Let's drink some tea, some Twining's tea. Good night. Thank you, Twining's. Love Twining's tea. All right, let's do a bio of our guest, Moises Garza. Moises Garza, a dedicated researcher of Mexican genealogy, embarked on his journey in 1998. Over the years, he has meticulously cultivated his expertise and wisdom in tracing ancestral roots within Mexico. His profound insights and extensive experience have been distilled into a comprehensive book on the topic entitled Mexican Genealogy Research Online, a guide to help you discover your Mexican ancestry. Through Moises's meticulous efforts, he has achieved remarkable success in unearthing his own family lineage, tracing back several generations to the 1500s. The seeds of Moises's passion for genealogy were sown in the cotton fields of West Texas, where he toiled alongside his father as a migrant worker. His father's vivid recollections and tales of their ancestors kindled a spark within Moises, igniting a journey that transformed him into a family historian. Since 1998, he has been an unwavering guide, assisting countless seekers on their personal quest to reconnect with their forebears. Today, Moises Garza's love for genealogy remains undiminished. He continues to nurture his passion by crafting valuable resources, sharing insights, and publishing works that empower others in their pursuit of Mexican genealogical knowledge. And today, we'll be covering his website, Las Vias del Norte. All right. Welcome to the program, Moises. Hello, Sean. It's great to be here. Hey, how's life in Texas today? It's very hot. We have a record heat. Yesterday was 110 degrees. Oh, man. That is hot. First thing I want to say, Moises, is how much I appreciate you being here. I really do. I think you're one of my all-time genealogical heroes, and I, and I sincerely mean that, because you're very prolific. You have like 75 books to your name. You have a great deal of expertise. You're helping a lot of people with your books, your speaking engagements, and the time and resources you've made available to your group members and the public. I just want to thank you one more time for being here. Appreciate it. Thank you, Sean. And I really appreciate you inviting me. And, you know, 
I think it, it will be a great opportunity for your listeners to learn a little bit about me and what I'm doing in the Mexican-American genealogical area. Yeah, completely agree. Moises, I was doing some reading in preparation for this episode. Can you tell me if you agree with this or not? I happened to read something that said how important culturally and traditionally keeping track of family history is within Mexican families, and that family and heritage hold significant value in the Mexican culture. The article stated that many families place great importance on preserving their ancestry and genealogy. Is that the case as far as you know? You know, Sean, honestly, I do not know about other other parts of Mexico or the Mexican culture, but I'm going to tell you about my own personal experience. My dad, you know, when I started doing genealogy, he gave me over 300 names just from memory. He really didn't know how to read and write. I think it just depends on the, the family and the upbringing. But to be honest, I do not know what the majority of the population prefers. I do know that it gets family gets featured a lot when it comes to Day of the Dead, El Día de los Muertos. Mm-hmm. And it was made very popular in the United States uh, due to the movie Coco. Oh, I haven't seen that movie. Coco? Uh, Coco. That's the name of the movie. Okay. C-O-C-O? Yes. And it was released by the by Walt Disney. Okay. I'm making a note. to take a look at that. Yeah, it's a... It's a very cute and nice and informative uh, movie about El Día de los Muertos and how it's celebrated and the importance that the altares have. But, you know, the altares, it's a main thing in down south Mexico because northeastern Mexico and Tamaulipas, Nuevo León, and Coahuila, we follow more the, the Spanish tradition of leaving flowers at the cemetery for our ancestors. Okay. So it's further south than than the region of Mexico that your family comes from. No, my family's from northeastern Mexico. What I'm trying to say is we celebrate the Spanish tradition. El Día de los Muertos and the altar is more Native American. Okay, got it. This uh, same article that I was reading went on to say that Mexican families often share oral history stories, just like your father knew 300 names, that traditions like that are passed down through generations. In any of the work you're doing, are you capturing any of the oral histories or the stories or traditions or teaching people how to preserve that? At the moment, me personally, the only thing I'm doing or being involved in preserving this is with our Las Vías del Norte journal, where we provide the opportunity to members to submit, uh, you know, oral histories in writing to preserve them in the journal, family histories, uh, family genealogies. And we do have a, or have had presenters in the past teaching us how to preserve those uh, oral histories and those family histories also. Okay. I notice on your website, you have an awful lot of presenters, and I mean like professional genealogical presenters with great information. Can you tell me about your background in genealogy and then specifically in assisting Mexican-Americans with their family research? How did it start for you? You know, Sean, it's 
it's very personal for me. And I started back in the late 1990s. I used to be a migrant working, working the West Texas fields uh, near the Lubbock, Texas area. And those rows of cotton, right, we used to weed them. They were almost a mile long. So as we were walking from one side of the field to the other side working, my dad would tell a story after story about his ancestors, and he just made the time fly by. And I got very interested. And one day I asked my dad, well, what are the names of your great-grandparents? And he just looked at me and stared, and he told me, honestly, I do not know. Oh, wow. So once we came back to the Rio Grande Valley, right, He one weekend he told me, hey, get dressed. We're going to your grandma's house. We went to my grandma's house, and she gave him a little piece of paper that said, here are the names of your ancestors so you will never forget them. You know, and that had a personal impact in my life. And those names were the key for me to be able to find more genealogical records and information and be able to trace my family back to the late 1500s. Wow. That was very kind of your dad. It was. So that's how it started for you. And and how did it start with writing the books and helping people with your various websites? You know... Let me tell you about the Weird Cousins website. Okay. I have a website called Weird Cousins and the URL is weirdcousins.info. And that was my personal blog. And it continues to be my personal blog. And I created it as a way to force myself to look for those original documents and transcribe them and enter them into my genealogy software. So I started sharing them because I knew there were other distant cousins out there and I wanted to make it easier for them. So they wouldn't have to do the work or effort of transcribing them. They were already transcribed for them. And, you know, within a few months, I started getting emails. Hey, we're related. This document that you shared, it's also my ancestor. And then later on, I started getting a lot of emails. Hey, Moises, it's great what you're doing for northeastern Mexico. How about us that live in other regions of Mexico? And that's where I started the MexicanGenealogy.com website. And I just started creating articles on how to do Mexican genealogy. And eventually, I just put those articles into a small booklet. Then I did a second edition. And, you know, you don't even have to buy the book. If you go and read every single article, you're going to get what the book has or even more. But the book is just for those of you that want it organized and on chronological order on what to learn as you go. Okay. I was going to ask you, your group online. And you have multiple websites, and the one that I I sort of want to focus on is Las Villas del Norte with this interview, which means the Villas of the North, I believe, in English. But I was going to ask you to explain the differences between the various internet entities and which people should be a part of if they want to be part of the community of Mexican-American genealogical researchers. Maybe you could explain that now a little bit further. Thank you, Sean. And I totally agree with you. For this episode, we're just going to focus on Las Villas del Norte. And in English, the translation is the villages of the north. And when I say Las Villas del Norte or the villages of the north, I'm referring to five or six towns that were founded by Jose Escandón in what is now the state of Tamaulipas in South Texas, which is the present-day Laredo, Texas, Ciudad Guerrero, Tamaulipas, Camargo, Tamaulipas, Mier, Tamaulipas. 
in Reynosa, Tamaulipas. Okay. And, you know, Americans have the Ellis Island as a point of entry for their ancestors. Yeah. Well, for Mexican-Americans of uh, northeastern Mexico, we have Las Villas del Norte because Las Villas del Norte control the northeastern part of Mexico plus almost half of the current state of Texas. Oh. So, you know, the a lot of original families didn't cross the border. The border crossed them as that part of Texas be, became part of the United States. Right. And Las Villas del Norte... You know, to be able to explain a little bit more, northeastern Mexico was founded by uh, uh, 10 families, and they came from Saltillo, and prior to Saltillo, they came from deeper down in Mexico, but then they founded Nuevo León in 1596, and then by 1750, those families are, or the descendants of those families founded the current state of Tamaulipas and then Texas, and now you find descendants of those families all over the United States and all over the world. In Las Villas del Norte, it's a genealogy website. It's a group that I created. So we're able to record every single presenter every month and make it available to our members that do not have a Mexican-American genealogical society near them. Or, you know, if you already belong to a genealogical society, but it doesn't focus on Mexican-American genealogy, I highly recommend Las Villas del Norte. And you don't attend in person. It's all virtual. All you need is a computer. and a membership, and you get access to everything that we have to offer in there. Yeah, fantastic. I know that you're not a 501c3 nonprofit organization, but in my mind, you are a genealogical society, a virtual genealogical society online. You really are. There's a lot of opportunity on Las Villas, V-I-L-L-A-S, del norte d-e-l-n-o-r-t-e dot com and if people go there they can join that online group and you've put a lot of effort into that website to make it a good experience for people and you've got a lot of records that are online to the members now you also are on facebook at las vias del norte so people can interact there you've got the Mexican Genealogy Facebook group. You've got MexicanGenealogy.com. Then you've got MoisesGarza.com. You've got uh, an email, MoisesGarza at gmail.com. You've got about 70 different titles on Amazon for Moises Garza books. And you've got We Are Cousins YouTube channel. And do you have a We Are Cousins website as well? Yes, and that's just wearecousins.info. Dot .info, okay. And that's my personal blog. But if anybody listening, uh, if you're interested in Mexican genealogy, just go to Facebook and type in Mexican genealogy and look for the biggest group in there. We're over 47,000 members. Oh. And we accept everybody as long as you agree to our uh, community rules. And the rules are there to build a culture that's caring, giving, and respectful of each other. You know, if you can agree to those things, we want you in there. That's fantastic, Moises. You've built quite a community. Sean, before we move on, I want to tell you the reason that Las Villas del Norte is a nonprofit. The main reason that I don't that I didn't create it as a nonprofit was because 
A lot of organizations have a lot of red tape. If a member gives them an excellent idea, well, guess what? They don't act on it. They have to put it to a vote. And they can only do that while they have a monthly meeting. So it may be either a month, three months, or six months, depending on the frequency that the group gets together, right? Yeah. They'll put it to a vote, see if that idea gets implemented or not. So the way I want Las Vías del Norte is for us to be able to act immediately. If a member brings up an idea, if it's a great idea, we implement it by the following day. If it's a bad idea, tell them off the bat, look, I don't think it'll work because this, this, and that. And then they may reframe their idea to make it work. And another reason, Las Vías del Norte is for profit, and we have to make a profit on everything we do because we use that money to reinvest it back into the website to pay our speakers to buy rare books that are out there or that we come across that we wouldn't be able to purchase otherwise. Right. Or, you know, or wait a month or two months to be able to vote to see if we buy a certain book or not. Thank you for that, Moises. Now, Moises, we were talking about Las Vias del Norte being, back in time, like the Ellis Island of Mexico. And generally in the United States, the further back in time one goes, the fewer actual official government records there are because official records such as registrations of births and deaths didn't occur until generally the middle of the 19th century. What types of records and resources do you typically advise people to use, oh, let's say pre-1860 in doing family research in Mexico? You know, there's only a certain rec records that I recommend, but I'm going to give you the methodology, right? You start with yourself here in the United States, find your birth record, see who your parents are. Of course, everybody knows, right? But you want to have the document. And then you cite that as your source, and then you find the birth certificates of your parents. Now, once you get back to the 1930s, if you're a Mexican-American family, hopefully you've already found out that your ancestors came from Mexico. From 1930 to 1860, you're going to use the Mexican civil registration records, and they're available both on Ancestry or Family Search. Now, once you get to pre-1860, when there was no civil registration records in Mexico, you're going to want to search the Catholic church records. But then you may be saying, hey, hold on, Moises, my family is not even Catholic. I have no Catholics in my family. Well, guess what? Prior to the 1860s, Every Mexican family, more than likely, it's like a 99.9% .9 was Catholic. And they, get they got baptized, married, and buried by the Catholic Church. And what the Catholic Church has, they were excellent record keepers. So these Catholic Church records are also available on Family Search, and you're going to be able to find a lot of those indexes also on Ancestry. But my go-to place for those records, it's familysearch.org. Okay. And you know, Sean, of course, there's a lot of other record types, like land records, criminal records, registration of mines, buying and selling of properties, or even slaves, unfortunately. There's a lot of documentation. Of course, that you're going to be able to find the wills or the testamentos of your ancestors. So there's a lot of other record types, that, but the main principal ones go to are the Catholic Church records. Okay. How far back do records go? I've seen records. The oldest ones in Mexico City 
in the 1530s. Whoa, that's a long time. Did Mexico do regular federal censuses every 10 years? You know, I'm not very knowledgeable in this area. I do know that the first major and complete one was the 1930s. But prior to the 1930s, the Mexican Catholic Church has what it's called padrones. And it was a census of the whole parish that the priest will go ranch by ranch and write the name of the father, the mother, and the children, their ages. And they will put a little notation on the side, noting which sacraments they had already. And also it was like an accounting that they had to send somebody. And the municipal governments, for example, we, we know here we have in the United States counties, well, in Mexico are municipios. Okay. The municipality sometimes would do a census, and the census were random years. I, I don't even know the reason they would do it, but probably just to see who lived in the, the county at a particular time. But you're going to be able to find those scattered. There's no central place. You need to go to the, a local municipality, look, go through their archives, see if you could find one. Or if you could find somebody that has already written a history about a particular town or municipality you're researching, maybe they indexed it. Okay. So right now, all of those records from the municipalities are not like in Mexico City in an archive, a national archive, I guess. They would be in the municipality in various levels of government archives. Correct. For example, the, the registro civiles, the local office in the state kept the original document. At, at the end of each year, he would rewrite the book and send that copy to the state. Okay. So you're going to, and what we find in Family Search are copies that were sent to the states. If you see those uh, records, they don't have the signatures of our ancestors. The original, because they're copies of the original. Right. And they're not, for example, they're not like photocopies. No, it was a copy that was manually written by the official in charge of the archive. So if you want to see the original that has the, the signature of your ancestors, you have to go to the local civil registration office. In, in the United States, the county boundaries would change from time to time, or they would rename the county. Did the same thing occur in Mexico with regard to municipalities? Yes. Okay. An example that I could give was the current state of Nuevo León. It was originally El Nuevo Reino de León, the New Kingdom of León. And it was over 200, I want to say 200 square miles or bigger than that. It, it actually includes from all the, the current state of Tamaulipas, Nuevo León, Coahuila, and half of Texas. But of course, the current uh, state of Nuevo León is way smaller. So that's why it's very important to do a historical analysis of the area Yeah, to be able to see how those boundaries changed. And how does one go about doing that? Is that in the local municipality or is there a, a genealogical society or a historical society in the area or does Family Search have that? Honestly, Sean, the way I do one is going online and researching and, know, and you know, Googling, okay, the history. And then, for example, the colonial period, what were the boundaries? And then the state, and what were the state boundaries? And then when were the other states created? Usually, 
there's a book by Peter Gerhardt. I can't remember the, the title, but that's what it, it focuses on, on the boundaries. and tells you, gives you information when the town or the city or the municipality got created. And he actually provides books of, I'm sorry, images of Mexico as the boundaries were being created. Oh, that's cool. Great. So he's done some of that work. That's great. And, you know, for example, on the other Norte, pretty soon we're going to have um, a presentation teaching our members how to do a historical analysis of the area. Oh, that's great. You've got one coming up. Yes. Another good reason to join Las Vias del Norte listeners. They've got, we'll go into this as we go through this interview, but he's got some fantastic presenters that are very professional and they they can help you. Moises, what was your personal first big find in genealogy, the one that gave you a lot of joy and excitement? You know, Sean, when I was, uh, I want to say, when I was a greenhorn in genealogy, I didn't know about abbreviations. So remember those four names or, yeah, those four names that my grandma gave my father? Yeah. Well, she gave me the full names. For example, Maria Francisca Perez. And I kept on searching and family search and searching. I'm like, I can't find them. I can't find them. But there was this record that I always kept on coming up. It was M-A dot F-R-A dot Perez. So guess what? That was my Maria Francisca Perez. So once I learned about abbreviations and how the priest they love to abbreviate names. That was my major discovery because it helped me find so many more generations. And that's something I, you know, if you're new to genealogy, don't get clingy to a specific name. Sometimes they will put Maria Francisca or they put Francisca Maria. They would alternate. And, you know, another thing that's very big, if you're uh, researching Mexican-Americans, don't just search, for example, my name is Moises Garza Tanguma. Mm-hmm. Well, don't just uh, search for Moises Garza. Search for Moises Tanguma, too. Because okay. depending on the officials here in the U.S., they would choose either or. Yeah, I know in the U.S. And, they used to have very creative methods of spelling names as well. Yes. Okay, good tips. Thank you very much. What's coming up on the horizons for Las Villas del Norte? Where are you going to take it next? You know, Sean, what I'm starting this month, and we haven't done this, and honestly, I do not even know why. But what I'm starting this month, I'm emailing all the members to submit a six-generation chart, starting with themselves, of their ancestors, but to only provide what they have proof for. And then what I'm going to try and do is link them up to our database that has over 1 million names. And once I'm successful in linking them up to the database, our members are just going to be able to log into the website, go to the database, search for their grandparents. Because remember, it, it will not show leaving people information. So more than likely, our members' grandparents are past, passed away or their great-grandparents. 
And once they find them there, they're going to be able to see all their ancestors and see all everything that I have for them. Oh, that's great. So I think this will be a great benefit for our members. And of course, we continue to license presentations for them. And we're going to, for next year, we're going to have a total of 36 presentations for them. Wow. Wow. That is really good. Not only that, but a whole lot of success stories when you match those up to those records. That's a lot of work, too. It is, but, you know, to me, it's worth it. Yeah. Are you going to use volunteers for that? Depends how many. If I get overwhelmed with trees, I will. But, you know, I love to do do it myself because I get to verify the information. Right. Moises, it's time to take a break for a few minutes. Let's go ahead and take a quick break. All right, listeners, we'll be right back after these important messages. Greetings. The Las Villas del Norte Genealogy Group offers a wealth of resources to aid you in your ancestral journey. There are online presentations, a comprehensive genealogy database with over a million names, and publications designed to help you uncover your ancestors' stories. Their mission is to help you create a meaningful legacy for your children and future generations. One of the ways they achieve this is through the annual journal, a collaborative effort, by members, and for members. Each year, this published journal allows members to preserve their family genealogy and history. Additionally, they publish a quarterly newsletter, spanning over 25 pages, every three months. These newsletters cover a wide range of topics and provide valuable insights into genealogy research, resources, and tools that can assist you in your quest to find your ancestors. To enhance your research experience, they have dedicated groups for each of the Mexican states and towns. This allows you to connect and collaborate with fellow members who are researching ancestors in the same geographical areas as you. As a member of Las Villas del Norte, you'll have the opportunity to learn from skilled genealogy presenters who can guide you in your research journey. Their goal is to help you leave a rich genealogical legacy for your loved ones. Discover your Mexican heritage by becoming a member of this wonderful and caring community today. Visit them at www.lasviasdelnorte.com to join their community and make significant progress in uncovering the stories of your southern Texas and northeastern Mexican ancestors. You're listening to Preservation Oaks on MicroStream Radio. Preservation Oaks is your source for information about museums, cultural, heritage, preservation, historical, and genealogical societies across the United States. Listen at preservationoaks.podbean.com. Back in time, when people got sick, they got well again due to the knowledge their mom had from her mom, and she in turn from her mom, and, well, you get the idea. A good knowledge of history is a good thing for all kinds of reasons when making decisions about the future. Learn the history of your ancestors and your community at your local historical or genealogical society. Historical traditions are there for a reason. Support your local society today and like a good mom, pass the knowledge on to your kids. This is Kirk Dillon, a friend of Sean Radcliffe's. 
Preservation Oaks brings you unbeatable information about museums, cultural, heritage, historical, and genealogical societies across the United States. It is a most enjoyable program that enables the public to look under the covers, as it were, and to feel completely comfortable with their decision to donate, join, volunteer with and support their organization of choice. I strongly encourage you all to give three cheers to the unsung heroes that are our nation's preservation oaks, for the hard work they do at your local society. It's very important work that really must be done properly, with everyone in the community helping as much as possible. Please follow, like, and listen to each episode of Preservation Oaks, but much more importantly, do please join, donate, and volunteer at one or more of your local societies. Thank you very much. Soon you'll be able to walk into your Admiral Dealer's store and confidently buy the style radio or radio phonograph you want. The selection of Admiral radios will be complete. There'll be radio phonographs with the famous Admiral exclusive features, Slide Away, that makes loading and unloading your record changer so easy and the foolproof Admiral Automatic Record Changer. There'll be consoles and table models and newly designed cabinets of fine woods and modern plastics. There'll be farm sets and portables in many styles and sizes, including the popular Admiral Bantam, the camera-type radio that operates on alternating current, direct current, or self-contained batteries. There'll be new electronic refinements and AM, FM, and shortwave reception. And now about television. Admiral's extensive research assures television receivers with true Admiral quality. So, whatever you want in radio, you'll find it in an Admiral, America's smart set. You can get a very good idea of what Admiral will offer if you're right for a free copy of the new full-colored booklet entitled It's a Promise from Admiral. Just write your name and address on a penny postcard and mail it to Admiral in care of this radio station. That's all. Just your name and address mailed to Admiral at this station. I am General Matto van du Maximanus, from the planet you refer to as BD 114672C. I am the legate of the second AB Picturus B region, governor of the approaches to NU Octantis AB, interplanetary consul, commander of the legions of AB Picturus A, 91 Aquari B, Mulionis B, and Gamma Library B and I listen to Preservation Oaks on MicroStream Radio. And now, back to Preservation Oaks. Welcome back to Preservation Oaks. I'm your host, Sean Thomas Radcliffe. We're here today with our guest, Mr. Moises Garza, a Mexican-American genealogist who wears many different hats in the Mexican-American genealogical community. He's an educator, a podcaster, a speaker, an author of more than 70 books, a researcher, and a genealogist. One of the things I'm sure Moises is proud of is Las Vias del Norte a digital genealogical group that assists its members with all manner of records, genealogy, education, and help with their research. Moises, let's pick up where we left off, and welcome back. Thank you, Sean. Let's get back to it. All right. What kind of resources? You said you have a million names on Las Vias del Norte in the database. What other kinds of resources do you have, or do you recommend for people researching Mexican genealogy 
in terms of the language barriers and the written language, I have some relatives that are German. And what I learned about Germany is that there's high German, old high German, and low German. And old high German is written and spoken differently from low German. I don't know if the same thing exists in the Mexican language, but they are read differently. And so is that a barrier for genealogists, for Mexican-American research? You know, it's a huge barrier for second, third, fourth generation Mexican-American or Americans that have roots in Mexico or what it used to be Spanish Mexico. And I find it that they have a lot of trouble reading documents because of course they're in Spanish and then they then you add that each priest or each government official had a different type of style of handwriting. The only resource that I have and I recommend people to use is the Brigham Young script tutorial that they have. It's an excellent uh, tutorial where anybody can learn to read the Spanish documents or at least be able to extract the genealogical information from them. And Las Vías del Norte, the only tools that we have are the occasional presentations where the, the presenters talking about Mexican records, they usually provide tips on how you could be able to like uh, decipher the records or be able to read them. But I want to share, and it's not related to Las Vías del Norte, but on that Facebook group that I told you about, the Mexican genealogy one. Yeah. If you have trouble with a certain document, you could go ahead and ask the community to transcribe it, sometimes translate it, or just to extract the genealogical information. The only thing we ask our members is to limit themselves to posting one to three per day. Okay. Well, that's great. That's a great service. And there... There's a new book, and let me just provide the title because it's also excellent, and it was just released. And the title of the book is, is called Mastering Spanish Handwriting and Documents, 1520 through 1820. And it talks about the three or four major writing styles of the era and how it evolved to the present Spanish. And okay. it provides a, a ton of documents. And this book was co-authored by one of the people that develop uh, the Brigham Young uh, tutorial, and they actually refer people to the tutorial to supplement the book. Oh, great. What's the author's name? Doctor uh, George R. Reiskamp and Peggy Reiskamp and H. Leandro Soria are the three authors. So George R. Rice, R-I-C-E? R-Y-S-K-A-M-P. Got it. Rice Camp. And then two other authors, right? Yes, his wife and uh, an associate of his. Okay. Well, that's a great resource. Thank you for that. Could you share an interesting success story from your work with a Mexican-American client or member? You know, a success story that I can think of was not really a success story, but it's just from time to time, I get emails thanking me for writing the book because it, as they tell me that was a key to be able to find their family in Mexico. Because I started the book with uh, resources here in the U.S. And, you know, just little tips that you, we don't know about. For example, the abbreviations or 
to search not just with the paternal surname, but also with the maternal surname. Right. Yeah, we featured your book on one of our book shorts episode, and I think we featured it on our last episode as well. I'm going to put it in this episode as well, just so people have it. And I'll also put a link to the George, to this uh, mastering uh, Spanish handwriting book so people have it. All right? Okay, sounds great. Yep. Very good. How do you stay updated with the latest genealogical research techniques and resources related to Mexican-American ancestry? You know, Sean, the best way that I keep up to date is with uh, uh, my own conference. I started the We're Cousins Virtual Genealogy Conference when COVID started. And as you've seen on the Via del Norte, we have a lot of professional speakers and experts in their field. So throughout the year on the Mexican Genealogy Group and the Weird Cousins Facebook Group, I, I see the questions people are asking. And I try and get speakers that focus on research methodology that will answer those questions. Oh, great. And, and you know, it just keeps me up to date because it doesn't matter if we get a researcher or a professional genealogist who only focus on New England families, as long as we see their examples, you know, met, uh, genealogy methodology is evergreen and can be applied to any ethnic type of research. Yeah. So, and of course, we do get an occasional uh, researcher that specializes in Northeastern Mexico research, and we bring them, and, and it, because it's nice to see a presentation where they're mentioning your ancestors the further back you go you know we have similar ancestors so it's nice to see that and then we also do bring one or two speakers that focus on mexican genealogy or mexican genealogy related topics you want to talk about when the conference is this year i know by the time this episode is released that conference will have occurred but do you want to talk more about the conference yes the weird cousins conference it's going to take place on September the 21st to the 22nd. This year, we're only going to do it two years, for two days. Next year, it's going to be three full-blown days, and we're going to have over 24 speakers. This year, due to you know the economy not being that good, we just reduced the amount of speakers to 12, and we cut the price in half, and we're only doing it for two days to try and help the community you know, stay updated with topics and be able to attend. But the conference, if you're interested in learning more about it, just go to wacconference.com and you're going to be able to find the conference website there and you're going to be able to see our speakers, the lineup, the schedule, the topics, and the summaries of the presentations that are going to be taking place. Fantastic. That's wacconference.com. Correct. All right, cool. That's great. And that's September 21st and 22nd. Yes, so this year. And all you need is a computer and an internet connection. Correct. You can watch from anywhere in the world. Fantastic. And what's the cost? You have to buy a ticket to attend? Yes, we call it a pass. And right now, we're already, since it's already past September the 1st, we're already at the late registration fee. Okay. And to attend this uh, year, well, if you haven't registered early, it's going to be $99. Okay. You know, we, we had the early bird for $49, and we had the regular registration price of $74. Mm -hmm. 
But now, since it's the late registration period, it's $99. Right. And you're going to have 12 different professionals giving presentations with genealogical techniques. All right. Thank you for doing that. I appreciate it. And I appreciate you cutting the cost in half as well. Thank you. What type of membership drives does Las Vias del Norte perform? You know, Sean, right now, the only type of membership we do is promote to our Mexican genealogy and we're cousins uh, communities. We promote on uh, our Facebook groups and also to our mailing list. And we just try, you know, send emails featuring what we have to offer and uh, feature also how they will benefit of being members. Okay. And those are the only things that we've been doing at the moment to to drive membership. You know, we're not promoting to other groups at the moment. Now, are you attending annual genealogical conferences or other events to promote Las Vias del Norte? You know, in the past, I've attended the uh, conference in Colorado. I'm, I'm not, I wasn't able to attend this year. I uh, attended the Texas State Genealogical Society in the past this year, but they've moved, I think, to do it virtually too. So I'm not going to be able to be there. I will be at the Texas Hispanic Genealogical Conference that's taking place this October the 12th through the 14th in Laredo, Texas. Unfortunately, I tried to register for a vendor table too late. I wasn't able to get one. But I will be there talking to people and to other members of Las Vías del Norte that I know that are going to be in attendance. Okay, fantastic. Now you have, from what I understood from your website, you have three levels of membership. There's a silver and a gold and a platinum, and it's an annual membership. So you have various benefits for each of those levels to become a member. And all you do is go on the website and they can order a membership right from there, right? Yes. You just select the membership type that you want. Each one has something different. For example, the $69.95 per year, it's all digital. You get access to the ebooks, access to all the presentations, past and future. For, of course, all the past ones and for the future year. Also, you get access to all the past journals, access to all the past quarterly newsletters. We don't like throttle you or we're like, we're not going to tell you, oh, you cannot get that or read that because you didn't join then or back then. Right. No, you become a member, you get access to everything that we have to offer. Now, we do have a gold membership, which is ninety nine ninety five a year, but that one is for those of you that want the printed journal mailed out to your home address every year after we print it. Now, we have members request the, also the newsletter printed, and of course, it, everything costs money, especially if it's printed. Yeah. So for that option, we have the Platinum, which is one thirty nine ninety five per year, but you get the printed journal mailed out to your house, the quarterly newsletter printed out and mailed out to your home every three months. And that's basically... It, if you don't care for printed materials, just get the $69 option and you get access to everything that we have to offer. The really cool thing, I think, is that all of these presentations by professional genealogists and genealogy people are recorded. And once you're a member, you have access to everything. That yes, is very and, cool. and something else that I think is very cool, uh, most of our presenters provide their contact information either at the beginning beginning or at the end of the presentation. 
but if they forget to to include their information, all you could do is go to the member directory, look for their name, and you could message them through our private system on the website. Oh, cool. All right. Why is this? I want to talk about DNA and DNA testing. What role does DNA testing play in genealogical research for Mexican-American families, and how is this incorporated for members of Las Villas del Norte? You know, Sean, that's an excellent question, and I'm going to talk about DNA testing first for uh, Mexican-American families. You know, DNA nowadays is playing a major and vital role to help us break uh, brick walls that we may have. You know, an, an example that I have, I had a particular ancestor that we couldn't find the correct parents for. There were two sets of parents that everybody attributed to her. It was through DNA research that we were able to determine that her father actually married two different ladies, and my particular ancestor was from the second marriage. So we were able to de determine the DNA from her and another of her sisters to tell us, like, hey, this is the mother. And then we were able to sort out from two other lines the from the first marriage the descendant from her. So that was able to sort it out. And then, you know, because everybody would claim that the second wife was a wife of the son, but we found out that the son actually died when he was nine years old because he had the same name as the father. Okay. So we were able to do, to untangle that that uh, particular issue or or roadblock that we had. So that's just one of many examples. And you know, I've gotten emails from Europeans saying, "Hey, how come you're coming out as a cousin? I don't know anybody in northeastern Mexico or South Texas." I've had people from Vietnam contact me, "Hey, you're coming out as a cousin. What's going on?" Well, we gotta remember. We had our, we had people from this area fought in World War II, and we also had people from this area go to Vietnam. When I tell them those particular instances, they confront their moms, and their moms usually come clean and tell them, well, you know, your father was an American serviceman. Oh, okay. Okay. And the way I'm... We're trying to incorporate this. Well, now with Las Vias del Norte, we do have a, it's called the We're Cousins DNA Project. So I encourage our members to join that project because it's already looking at families from Northeastern Mexico and South Texas. Okay. We Are Cousins DNA Project. And how do they get to that? Well, they could just go to Family Tree DNA, log in. If you've tested your DNA with Family Tree DNA and look for the project there. Or just go to we'recousins.info, and on the tab, on the website, once you're there, there's a tab that says DNA. Okay. And there's a button there that will take you straight to the project so you can join. Okay. Thank you very much for that. That's great information. Because DNA is very helpful, especially when you've got brick walls. It is. You know, in Mexico, like other places across the world, including the United States, slavery existed for a time. You know what year it was outlawed in Mexico? John, I believe that it was outlawed with the Constitution of 1821, where the Mexican Empire, because first it was an empire, right, after independence? Yeah. They outlawed it. 
So Moises, that means someone doing DNA for a Mexican family could find slaves as part of their ancestry, right? Definitely, Sean. And just as an example, I have I have several ancestors that I've identified as being slaves. And in the records, you will find them listed as esclavo, meaning slave. Okay. And they could either be African slaves or they could also be Native American slaves. Oh, I never thought of that. Yeah. You know, in my family tree in Northeastern Mexico, uh, if you do your research, you're going to find that you had ancestors that, went, that were the enslavers. You're going to have ancestors that were the enslaved. You know, it's part of our history. It's in the past. All we could do is learn from it so we don't repeat it. Absolutely. Now, in, in the United States, when in the early censuses, they just counted the slaves. They didn't record the name of the slave. They would just say, here's this guy, you know, this, the master's name. And then, then they would say, and there are 10 slaves that are male and 10 slaves that are female. Is that how they did it in Mexico? Uh, no, Sean. Mexico, if they were a slave, they were a person. They were considered an actual individual. The slaves were allowed to marry Spanish women. Oh. Spanish women were allowed to marry slaves. And the church would count, would baptize, would marry, and even bury slaves. They would just write it down that they were slaves but they included their name and their surname if they had one. Uh, Native Americans that were the first generation to become, I guess, uh, Catholic, usually didn't have a surname or the priest would assign a surname for them. And those surnames would usually be de la Cruz or Cruz, meaning the cross. Oh, that's very interesting. Very interesting. What a cultural difference. I saw on the Las Villas del Norte website that you have a professional speaker like every month providing the members of the group with some fantastic information across all kinds of genealogical topics. We've touched on this before, but can you offer the audience some kind of an idea of what types of presentations are given? Gladly, Sean. We try and get, you know, not only professional genealogists, but also experts in their field. For example, in the past, we've had an economist talk about a a statistical tool for genealogy that he created, and it's called the FATE. And he's actually a professor in Italy. He is a great example of a professional that loves genealogy and it's developed a tool, you know, and he was sharing it with us and how to use it. So that's what his presentation was about. And we've been fortunate enough that Las Vías del Norte has gotten to license the same presentations that are given at the Weird Cousins Conference. So our members that can go to the conference can watch them later over here, and they get archived forever there. And, for example, this month we have a professional genealogist, Ryan Jordan, and he shared with Las Vías del Norte a presentation the titled Tips for Beginners in Mexican Genealogy, Civil oh. Registers and Parish Records. And then another example that we have is Lori Castillo, her presentation. And Lori is actually a professional genealogist also. 
But her presentation is 25 plus ways to make your family history vibrant and appealing. Wow. So just with those two presentations, I think provides you a good example. You know, one is about methodology. The other one's about preserving our histories and how to make them more vibrant by searching different types of record types that are going to be able to piece the greater puzzle that was the life of our ancestors. Fantastic work. Does the group publish a newsletter? Yes, every three months we publish a newsletter. But the purpose of the newsletter is on the letter from the president, which is me. I provide a short overview of what's going on with Las Vias del Norte, what's coming up and what we're working on. And the rest of the newsletters to welcome the new members. And we also have a list of upcoming, upcoming presentations for the following three months an overview of the past presentations of the past three months. And then every member post that we publish in Las Vias del Norte, we publish it on the newsletter. Oh, cool. And that's just because if our website disappears, at least all this material got to be published and preserved for future generations. Right, right. Now, I was reading that you also publish it some kind of a journal. Yes, and uh, like I mentioned before, our journal is excellent. It's not an academic journal by created by professional researchers. The purpose of our journal is for our members to document their family histories, to preserve their family histories or their oral stories, and basically just to preserve their genealogy. They could share their genealogies. For example, one year we the theme was about, about our grandparents and People or the members submitted pictures of their grandparents and a story about them, what they remember or how they were. So imagine, Sean, years from now, a descendant of theirs comes across that particular journal. I think it'll be gold for them. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that, that I always did, you know, as a professional genealogist was look in the the newsletters of the historical societies because they are gold and especially those that took the time to publish those family histories. Thank you, Moises, for that. Well, thank you for having me here. If one of your members needs help and they express that, do you provide them with a recommendation for a qualified researcher? Sean, to be honest with you, if our member needs, if any of our members need help, I first Tell them to log in to Las Vías del Norte, and we have a forum. And on one of those forums, there's one where it says, ask uh, for help. They could post their question there, and either me or the community would try and help them. If we can't, and if, if I feel that that's something that hiring a professional genealogist may be able to find for them, I have two people that I recommend to. You know, one, is them, one of them is Nefi Arenas. And the other one is Arturo Cuellar, who lives in Salt Lake City, and Nefty Arena lives actually in uh, Mexico City. Or another person that could do research for them is Ryan Jordan. He's a professional genealogist who's, um, at the moment, he's living in Mexico City. So that could be avenues of research for our members. Very cool. Plus, there's all the other members that might help them. You've got sort of a social network there on, <clears throat> excuse me, You've got sort of a social network there on Las Vias del Norte that you've built, right? Yes. When members log in, the first thing they see is their dashboard. And it's a Facebook-style platform. 
where they're able to post whatever they want, share whatever they want. And a lot of times, Sean, when our members ask a question about a particular ancestor or they can't find the, the parents of a particular couple, first thing I do is check in our database. And if I have them in our database, I just post a link to, to them. So they're able to click and be able to see all the information that we have about their ancestors. Moises, I would expect that in northeastern Mexico, as well as southern Texas, there are historical and genealogical societies. Do you refer members of Las Vias del Norte to them when they need help? You know, Sean, there's, I have a favorite one that I share, and it's the Brownsville Historical Association. And I like referring people to them because they're very active. They have a place and a location, very public, where members could actually, or not members, but the public could go research. And they have a lot of material because Bronzeville was one of the first towns to be created after South Texas became part of the United States in 1848. So they have a ton of information. You know, I know there's a historical group for Hidalgo County but I haven't really heard anything about them, so I don't. I wouldn't even know where to refer people. And there's another genealogical society here in uh, South Texas, and it's called the Rio Grande Valley Hispanic Genealogical Society or Association, but they're out of Harlingen. And, you know, I'm actually a member of their group. Okay. Just because I want to support the work that they're doing, but unfortunately I do not go to the, uh, their meetings because they're over an hour away from my house. Oh, wow. So sometimes it's hard to, you know, drive an hour over there, be two hours over there, and then drive an hour back. There goes the whole day. Yeah. Moises, are there any unique challenges or opportunities you've encountered specifically related to Mexican-American genealogy research? You know, Sean, the unique challenge that any American with Mexican or Spanish roots in what is now Mexico it will encounter, especially if you're second, third, fourth generation, like, for example, Tejano or American or wherever you may live in the U.S., sometimes you already lost the ability to read or, or read or speak Spanish. A lot of us uh, understand the, understand it. But a major challenge is finding those records in the U.S. linking us up to records in Mexico. Because the opportunity lies, once you get to research in Mexico, once you find out where your ancestors were from, all you have to do is go to familysearch.org, look for that town, see what records they have, and search for your ancestors there. And the biggest opportunity that we have as Mexican-American you know, descendants is that the Spanish and even Mexico, women kept their full identity. And guess what? They didn't just kept their, their paternal surname, they kept their maternal surname too. Oh. So it's very easy to identify your female ancestors. And as you may know, here in the U.S., it's very hard to research female ancestors. Yes, yes that is a distinct challenge here in the United States. Okay, very cool. Thank you. Moises, is there any further advice you'd give to someone who's just beginning their journey to trace their Mexican-American ancestry? Yes, absolutely. And the best advice that I could give you is if you're on Facebook, join the Mexican Genealogy Facebook group because you're going to network with other researchers. And 
So we have the main group and then we have subgroups for each Mexican state. So you could even go and join those states to narrow down your search. But I recommend if you're new, go there, ask questions, you know, introduce yourself, say that you're new, you want to learn as much as you can and start asking. The second option, if you have the money, go ahead and go buy my book. It's available on Amazon. And also, there's another excellent book that I'm going to recommend, and it's called Finding Your Mexican Ancestors, A Beginner's Guide. And it's also by George R. Ricecamp and by Peggy Hill Ricecamp. That's an excellent book, and uh, I refer to it all the time also. And if you're looking to better your knowledge and your skills just in genealogy or Mexican genealogy, Go ahead and join Las Vías del Norte and start watching all those videos. We have over 150 videos for you to learn from. Yeah, fantastic. Thank you. Well, very good. I'm sorry to interrupt, Moises, but it's time for us to take a break for a few minutes. Great. Let's have a break. All right, listeners, we'll be right back after these fantastic messages. now the ultimate power in the universe. This program will now pause for universal identification. Embark on a journey to find your Mexican ancestors in southern Texas and northeastern Mexico by joining the Las Vias del Norte Genealogical Group. As a member of this vibrant community, you'll have the opportunity to share your family records and family tree while delving into the rich history of your forebears. Membership grants you unlimited access to an array of resources, including engaging online presentations, a comprehensive genealogy database boasting over a million names, and publications meticulously crafted to help you unearth the captivating stories of your ancestors. At Las Vias del Norte, you'll find the support and assistance you seek, all while becoming an integral part of a dedicated research family. Begin your journey of exploration today by connecting with them at www.lasviasdelnorte.com. It's time for Preservation Oaks Book Shorts. Book Shorts is a segment of the program where we quickly introduce listeners to authors and books which satisfy your love of history and genealogy, help you with your own research, and finally help you improve the depth and wisdom of your unique family story. Welcome back to Book Shorts. We have a great segment today. There's a genealogist slash author slash speaker slash educator by the name of Moises Garza. 
who has written a book that I think many family historians with Mexican ancestors can benefit from. It's entitled Mexican Genealogy Research Online, A Guide to Help You Discover Your Mexican Ancestry. The second edition provides family historians with a solid foundation for finding Mexican ancestors online. Mr. Garza's passion for genealogy started in the cotton fields of West Texas. As a migrant worker, he worked in the fields next to his father, who had a sharp memory and told countless stories about his ancestors. Moises has been a family historian since 1998. Since then, he's helped countless others in their own quest to find their ancestors. Today, he continues with this passion by publishing and creating resources to help others with their Mexican research. There are a lot of families with Mexican heritage, and this book was written to save them time and money. It contains information about using free internet resources and takes the beginner family historian from the basics of getting started with genealogy to more advanced topics of research. Okay. Welcome to Book Shorts, Moises. Thank you, Sean. It's an honor and pleasure to be here with you today. Moises, I'd like to say thank you for writing this book to help researchers understand how to make progress researching Mexican ancestors. Very much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you for, you know, noticing our, or my tiny little book to help uh, Mexican-Americans or third generation, second, third generation uh, Mexican-Americans help find their ancestors. Absolutely. I think it's just invaluable for people to know where the sources are, where they can find records on their ancestors and the best way to do it. So your book is really good. What motivated you to write the book? My main motivation, uh, there's a, a one or two excellent books out there and that uh, you guys could actually find on Amazon that are great, but they were written prior to the year 2000. So they don't really have references to anything online that's updated. And to be honest with you, my second edition book actually needs a third edition book to bring up to date those links. But ah. the good thing is that those links are smart links. So whenever the website goes down, I'll look for something similar and replace it on the back end. So the book, it's always evergreen. It won't be out of date that you're going to find dead links. And if anybody does find one in my book, just let me know, email me, and I'll find the equivalent or fix the link so it could continue working as it was designed to. But my main motivation was to bring those resources to the, the internet era where you could find your ancestors online with basically without leaving your home. You could do your research just from your house. Fantastic. Yeah, I like that about the book. It's very practical, very down to earth. It's written for people who are not wealthy, who don't have money to pay genealogists all over the place. They can do it themselves. And that's a really good thing. Can you give us an overview of your book, Mexican Genealogy Research Online, a guide to help you discover your Mexican ancestry? Sure, Sean. I start the book with common misconceptions, you know, and those are my common misconceptions that I had growing up. And I know a lot of Mexican-Americans are going to find that they have those same misconceptions. And just to tell you, one of, one of those misconceptions is that we think that there's nothing out there for our ancestors. For example, I grew up in, in a north, northeastern Mexico in the state of Tamaulipas in a very rural area. 
where there was practically no people around or a big town within 20 miles of where the ranch was located. So one assumes like there's no records for our ancestors or maybe our ancestors were poor. There's nothing to document them. But, you know, I talk about some of those misconceptions. I also talk about doing research with Google, which is the world's biggest search engine. I talk about starting with a good and solid foundation of the citing your sources, citing everything that you find. And basically, other tips and tricks, and it contains about, I want to say, 25 to 30 articles that will help you start your Mexican genealogy research the right way and also build a solid foundation to build on top of that as you go on learning more. Fantastic. How's the second edition different from the first? Well, the main difference is that the first is no longer available. And the first edition had 20 articles. And the second edition has those 20 articles updated and also includes about 10 more articles. And since you were talking earlier that, you know, it's great if you don't have a budget or to pay somebody. And like I always tell people, if you have more money than time, we'll pay somebody to do your genealogy. Now, if you have more time than money, there's nothing more rewarding than learning to do it yourself and find those records and those ancestors by yourself. But, you know, if your budget is tight at this moment due to the economy or for whatever reason, you could just go to my website, mexicangenealogy.com and click on the tab or the link that says resources on the top. And you're going to be able to find an email series there. It's titled uh, Meet Your Ancestors. It's 20 articles in 20 days. And that's actually the first edition. But remember, signing up for it, it's free. But you have to do the work. You have to read those articles and make sure you understand them. Not just because you signed up and you're going to get 20 articles. That does not mean that you're going to learn how to do or get started with Mexican genealogy research. Right. Yep. That's good advice. How does your book help the family historian make progress in finding their ancestors? Well, it helps you make progress by, you know, getting rid of those misconceptions and actually testing out the misconceptions that you have. Also shows you how to do online research, shows you about family search, which is, as you may know, the biggest repository of genealogical information. For example, all the Catholic church records for Mexico, or not all of them, but a good 90, over 90% of them are online there. Some are indexed, some are not. And that's where you have to actually go to the back end and browse the documents. And the book will show you how to do that. Also, they have the, the civil registration records online. Same thing, not all of them are indexed, but you will get with the book, you will get a good idea how to go to the back end and uh, narrow it down and search those documents manually. So it will help you make progress because you will read about things that you may have not known. Or even if you're an experienced researcher, you're going to be able to see how I do things. So you may pick up one or two gold nuggets for your own research. Where's the best place for someone to get a copy of the book? The best place? It's Amazon. It's on Amazon.com. And the reason for that is because they do the printing and they do the shipping. So basically, I don't have to do anything, just promote it or send an occasional email letting people know that the book is actually available. Okay, thank you for that. Now, Moises, you mentioned that you have a genealogy group. What was it called? 
Yes, I have a genealogy group. It's uh, called Las Villas del Norte. And in English, it's called the Villages of the North. And it's named after the 1749 settlements that Jose de Escandón did on northeastern Mexico, which is now the current state of Tamaulipas, Mexico. Yeah. And I would love to invite everybody to check it out. It's uh, lasvillasdelnorte.com, or you could just go to my website, moisesgarza.com, and you will find the link to it there. But, uh, you know, we have uh, recorded every single presenter that has presented for us. We have a database of over a million people, and that's very well documented for northeastern Mexico and south Texas. And we have, uh, you know, journals and newsletters. And unlike other genealogy societies, we don't, we don't just give you the journal or the newsletters from the day that you sign up. If you sign up, you could go back eight years and download all the content as ebooks for your own genealogical database. Oh, very cool. Now, you're on Facebook with this group too, as well. Yes, we're on Facebook for Las Vías del Norte, but that's more for members. What I highly recommend everybody is just go to Facebook, search for Mexican Genealogy, and you will find our group. It's the biggest one that's there. It's about 41,000 to 42,000 members. Wow. And it's a great companion for the book. If you buy the book and you have any questions, you could find me there, or you could just ask the community, and the community is very welcoming. And it's taken us years to create a culture of caring people. We want to create this culture of sharing and helping each other out, you know, and also about a safe place where you could share your discoveries and tell the community, you know, because we we may tell, for example, I tell my wife about a discovery I made, and she just like rolls her eyes, like, okay, once, you know, again. So our family may not be that understanding, but everybody in that group, like, they'll love to hear about what you have to say about genealogy. Fantastic. Moises, are all the presentations done in Spanish? No, all the presentations are in English. We probably only have about two of them that are from two Mexican researchers that are actually in Spanish. Every Everything on Las Vías del Norte, it's in English. It's yeah. for Mexican-Americans, you know, if anybody that has roots in Mexico or roots in the United States. And most of the presentations are genealogy and methodology focused. Fantastic. Thank you so much for doing what you're doing. I very much appreciate it. Thank you so much for being a guest on Book Shorts. I'd like to thank you for your time and for your book. I really think this book, written from your hands-on perspective, is invaluable to family researchers with Mexican ancestors. You come back anytime, okay? Thank you, Sean. Really appreciate it. And uh, once again, thank you for having me over. Get your very own copy of the book, Mexican Genealogy Research Online. A Guide to Help You Discover Your Mexican Ancestry by author Mr. Moises Garza at Amazon.com. Oh, and as Moises mentioned, he also has a website you can visit, which is MexicanGenealogy.com. Moises is available as a speaker to groups. If you'd care to engage him as a speaker, please visit MoisesGarza.com. Moises Garza has authored several other books available covering various topics about Mexican genealogy. He has a genealogy conference coming up in September 2023. Find more information about those at MoisesGarza.com. I'm so glad we found Moises and his wonderful work helping people to find their Mexican-American ancestry. 
And I'm happy to bring this information to our listeners so they can make progress on their Mexican-American heritage. If you have questions or comments, please send them to preservationoaks at gmail.com. I thank you in advance for doing that. Much appreciated. Okay, we'll see you all on the next book short. And until then, keep giving and keep on living the good life. Nine out of ten listeners agree, Preservation Oaks is the best podcast on the internet. And now, back to Preservation Oaks. Welcome once again to Preservation Oaks. On this episode, we have the pleasure of talking with Moises Garza, the mastermind behind Las Vias del Norte and various other online platforms, including Facebook groups tailored for genealogists delving into their Mexican ancestry. Moises, we extend our heartfelt gratitude to you for the wealth of knowledge you've shared with our audience regarding the work you and your members are doing. Thank you and welcome back. Thank you. Glad to be back. I know when you and I were speaking earlier, you were talking about volunteers and what you were doing there. What kinds of volunteer opportunities does the group have for members in the public? You know, at this moment, Sean, we don't have many uh, volunteer opportunities on Las Vias del Norte. The, you know, just a few days ago, I sent an email to our members telling them, hey, we're going to be here at this music festival in Mission, Texas. We got a, a vendor booth, but we're just going to be promoting the group if you have, if you live in the area. Because remember, our members are all over the place, all right. over the United States, because we're a virtual genealogy group. But, you know, in my hometown of Mission, Texas, like, well, this festival's coming up. Let me promote Las Vias del Norte so we could get local members. So I sent out the email and two members replied, hey, I live in Mission 2. I'll go help out at the booth. Oh, cool. Yep, very cool. I'm glad you're doing that. People are wonderful and they will help. Okay, so you're just sort of ramping up on your volunteer opportunities within the group. Yes, and I'm actually, I'm going to email the members. Hey, if you want to represent our group at a local event in your, wherever you may live, you know, just let me know. We'll pay for the booth and send you materials oh, to promote the group. That's a good idea. You know, you've got things things set up so well for your members and and to help, you know, with the subgroups for each area of Mexico and that kind of thing. I think it's great. Thank you. Of the 70 plus books you've published, which one or ones would you recommend for somebody who's beginning their journey into researching Mexican ancestors to read first that will help them the most to make progress? You know, the only book that I have that I would recommend for a complete beginner is my Mexican Genealogy Research Online book. Because there I tell them about my common misconceptions that I had that were holding me back. I tell them, shed those away. 
And I also tell them or provide a lot of resources for that are actually free for them to get started and for them to build a solid foundation for starting their Mexican American genealogical research. Now, once they find out if they're from Northeastern Mexico, well, then they could just go and buy any of my books, my other books. And those, those books will eventually turn out that they're also their own. They're, they, they have the same ancestors that I do. Right. And the likelihood is you are their cousin. <laughs> you know, we are cousins, especially in Northeastern Mexico. Within four to eight generations, we're all related. That's why that name of your website is so good. I want to give the contact information for all of Moises Garza's various resources. The one we're talking about is lasviasdelnorte.com, and that is the Villages of the North in English. It's L-A-S, Las, V-S, V-I-L-L-A-S, D-E-L-N-O-R-T-E.com. He's on Facebook as Las Villas del Norte. Also on Facebook is the Mexican Genealogy Group. He's got 42,000, I think you said, followers on there or members. 47,000. 47,000. Wow. That's, that's great work. And then he's also got a website, MexicanGenealogy.com. He's also got MoisesGarza.com. If you'd like to reach out to Moises, you can reach him at MoisesGarza at gmail.com. He's got over 70 titles on Amazon under Moises Garza Books. He's got the We Are Cousins podcast, We Are Cousins on YouTube. He's got the website, wearecousins.info. And if you'd like to attend the conference on September 21st and 22nd, where there's 12 professional genealogical presentations, go to wacconference.com. Did I get them all, Moises? Yes, you did. Oh, wow. All right. Fantastic. All right. Hey, you know, Sean, about the conference, I haven't told anybody, but I'm going to add four extra presentations as a bonus. Oh, that's great. Starting tomorrow, so people could log in from tomorrow and watch them while they wait for the conference to start. Okay, fantastic. So, yeah. What other kinds of things are there available to do on the lasviasdelnorte.com website? You know, Sean, let me give you a short overview. Of course, once you log in, you're going to be automatically thrown to your dashboard. And if you're brand new to Las Vias del Norte on the top left-hand side, it says, Welcome to Las Vias del Norte. And, and there's a link that says Start Here. And you, anybody's going to be able to find short videos describing each section of Las Vias del Norte. And right there, you're off the bat, you're going to be able to download two free ebooks, which one of them is a Mexican genealogy research online. So instead of buying it on Amazon, you could just become a member of Las Vías del Norte and you're going to be able to get that book for free. All right. So that's just, that's just a bonus for members joining. And right there, we even have a button to search the database where they could go search that 1 million plus database. Also, you know, you're going to be able to share what you want on the dashboard. And of course, we have the forums where you're going to be able to ask for help, do a member introduction. If you have any general genealogy questions, if you need any support, if you want to share your brick walls and have the community look at them, or if you have DNA research and questions, 
And something else, Sean, that we have, we have groups for major towns in northeastern Mexico. For example, we have a specific group for Monterrey, for each of Las Villas de Norte, we have a group for them. So members are going to be able to ask questions or share stuff about specific groups on Las Villas del Norte. And so right now we have 32 subgroups in there. And of course, you click the presentation tab, it'll take you to where you're going to be able to see any of the over 150 presentations that we have there. Wow. And then when members are logged in, a menu appears to their left. And they're going to be able to see our presentation calendar. It has a link to all the videos that we have, to the publications where you're going to be able to get the journal and the current journal and the past seven journals that we've published. And you're going to be able to download them to your computer. We don't tell you, hey, you have to buy them. No, as long as you become a member, you're entitled to download them and keep them even after you stop being a member. Also, on the publications tab, Members are going to be able to see our past 32 or 34 newsletters that we've published. They're the same thing. They're going to be able to download them. We do have four or five books of the early settlers of Las Villas del Norte. One, Some of those first settlers that arrived there in 1750. And those are descendant books. Now, those books, we don't let members download them. But they're able to view them on the website and check the see if their ancestors are there. And of course, I mentioned the genealogy database. Then we have resources where I've created pages per uh, town, and they're going to be able to see all the family groups that we've shared in the past. And if you see a family group there, we have the ancestors and descendants of those couples that are mentioned there. And of course, they're going to get access to our member directory where they're going to be able to message any other member of Las Vías del Norte or any of our presenters. And finally, they have a contact us. So if they have any questions about Las Vías del Norte, they could just email me through the form that we provide there. That's a fantastic website. You've done a lot of work with it. Pretty soon you're going to need a video instructing new members on how to use the website. Yes, well, I need to make a public video and share it so people could see what we're about. Because right now, new members could just go to the new member section and and watch all those little videos there. Oh, you've already done it. <laughs> I should have known. I want to ask you kind of a personal question, but what do you find most rewarding about assisting Mexican-American members in uncovering their family histories? John, thank you for that question. You know, what I find the most rewarding is helping somebody get started doing their genealogy. And then years later, they contact me. Hey, you posted this on your blog that you're looking for the parents of so-and-so. Well, I found this document that mentions them. So to me, that's very rewarding, knowing that I helped that person get started in finding or looking for their ancestors, and now they're helping me in my own research. And more, uh, more than likely, a lot, of, a lot of times, they are even related to me. So that's just an extra bonus of finding a very distant related cousin and us having the same ancestors. Yeah, that's very cool. And they're so interested that they're, they're giving you information. That's great. 
All right, thank you for that. Why is Las Vias del Norte important to the member community and what makes your group different or unique from others? Ocean Las Vias del Norte, you know, I think it's unique because I created exactly what I want a genealogical society to be or to do for members that do not live in the area where or that they are established on. And also I wanted a platform or a place where to be able to provide presentations by professional genealogists or experts on their field and teach genealogical methodology or expose us to new tools and or areas of research that we may not be familiar with. And, you know, I can't uh, really compare with other platforms because once our members join, they're going to I see the differences and they're like day or night from any other platform out there. Yeah, I've noticed how mature your website is and how much benefit or the members are going to get out of it. It's a fantastic platform. You've done so much work. I can't even imagine how, how you find the time to do all the work of 70 publications and speaking engagements and your podcast and helping members do their genealogy. It's just a massive amount of work. That's, Sean, I'm very motivated. I don't think I could keep up with you. Moises, as we've gone through this, we're kind of wrapping up now. Is there any other information or message you'd like listeners or members to know about? You know, I would love to encourage anybody out there that's interested in growing their genealogy skills or their genealogical toolbox to join Las Vías del Norte. You know, don't be discouraged that the name says Las Vías del Norte, and it's in Spanish. Our group is solely in English. All the presentations are in English. We, From the past eight years, we probably only had one or two presenters in Spanish, but uh, that's very rare. And even though if you don't have any ancestors from South Texas or Northeastern Mexico, that's no problem. When you join us, you're going to get access to all those presentations. And as I mentioned, those presentations focus on research areas of all over the U.S. and some even focus on European research. So just look at the methodology and apply it to your own research, no matter where, what area or what ethnicity you may be researching. We're a great resource that I know you're going to enjoy. But, you know, you got to do the legwork. you got to watch those presentations because if you just join and don't, watch presentations and learn, well, then our group is useless. So you got to do your part and watch those uh, presentations. Fantastic. Thank you, Moises. Moises, I'd like to extend my gratitude for you sharing your time with us today. I know how busy you are, or I can imagine how busy you are. And I've gained a wealth of knowledge and thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. Meeting you again has been a genuine pleasure, sir. Your dedication and the extensive support your group provides to your members and the genealogical community as a whole is awesome. Good luck in all you do. Thank you, Sean. I really had fun. And thank you for bringing our little genealogy group, Las Vías del Norte, to the greater genealogical and historical communities out there. You're welcome. And with that, we'll end our time with our guest, Mr. Moises Garza, the creator of Las Vias del Norte Genealogy Group. 
Listeners, please stay tuned for my comments and wrap-up, which is coming up next. Welcome back. What can I say about someone as dedicated as Moises Garza, who tirelessly serves the genealogical community? If I had Mexican family roots, my first step would be to join Las Villas del Norte. Furthermore, I'd become a member of Moises's thriving Mexican genealogy group on Facebook, boasting a staggering 47,000 members. It's this one-two combination that I believe would greatly improve my chances of successfully tracing my ancestors. Language in deciphering old scripts may pose a challenge for many, myself included. However, Moises thoughtfully provided solutions to address these hurdles. With these valuable resources at your disposal, you can tackle these challenges head-on and significantly improve your chances of success. Reflecting on the immense help that Moises and his dedicated members provide to countless individuals in their quest to trace their ancestors is truly remarkable. The structure of Las Villas del Norte, with its forums organized by specific regions in southern Texas and northeastern Mexico, offers a platform where members can readily find assistance. The extensive database, coupled with the collective expertise of the community, reinforces the notion of a thriving genealogical family. What sweetens the deal even further is that as a member, you gain access to Moises's Mexican genealogy book and a trove of professional genealogical training presentations. This makes the annual membership cost an exceptionally worthwhile investment. If any of the members have comments to add, please, send an email to preservationoaks at gmail.com. Moises Garza and the many genealogical resources he has created and maintains for the genealogical community of southern Texas and northeastern Mexico is truly one of our nation's preservation oaks. Now you can contact Moises if you go to lasviasdelnorte.com or you can go to Facebook and look for Las Vias del Norte. Or you can go to Facebook to the big group of 47,000, which is called Mexican Genealogy on Facebook. You can also go to MexicanGenealogy.com. Moises has his own website at MoisesGarza.com. You can email Moises at MoisesGarza at gmail.com. You can go to YouTube and find Moises's podcast called We Are Cousins on YouTube. You can also go to wearecousins.info. All right. Now, if you'd like more information, please connect with the group via the contact information I just provided. If you're a listener researching Mexican ancestors located in southern Texas or northeastern Mexico, and you're not already a member, please consider joining the group. I hope this information helps the audience understand more about Las Villas del Norte and what kinds of benefits they have to offer to their members. Okay, that's a wrap for this episode. Music used today is from Scott Holmes, 
and Cymbalbird. Impulse Music, Simon Ling, Texas Brothers, Cinna Media, and One Wave Records. Microstream Radio is a registered trademark. You can visit us at www.microstreamradio.com. This broadcast is owned and copyrighted by Microstream Radio. It cannot be rebroadcast, downloaded, copied, or used anywhere without the written permission of Microstream Radio. Thanks to everyone for listening. This is Sean Thomas Radcliffe. We'll see you all next time on Preservation Oaks. And until then, keep on giving and keep on living the good life.